And we're live. What's up, everybody? I'm How's here going with today? Uh, yeah. I'm here with the great Sean Chua, the other Sean Patrick in the gym. The Sean Patrick in the gym. Ah, uh, the yeah. yeah, yeah. There are two of us. Um, so, you were once the strongest man in D.C. You're uh, bringing up some hard times here. <laughs> uh, yes, I was, and still currently am. I think in. Uh, the 74-kilogram squat. Uh, I still hold that record, I think. You squatted 74 kilograms? Yeah, yeah. I've done that, but uh, I weigh 74 <laughs> kilograms, and I squatted, I think, 425 Dang. in that competition. So, yeah, that was a good day for me. That's pretty sweet. And that's your PR, 425? No, my PR is 463. What? Um that was when I was competing in the one or the eighty-three kilogram, so about one hundred eighty-three pounds. Uh, Wait, yeah. your your body weight changes changed your PR that much? Yeah. So when I competed at one eighty-three, I always uh, for powerlifting, uh, I always weighed somewhere around one seventy-four or so. So I was kind of in between the one sixty-three pound weight class and the one eighty-three pound weight class. And I just didn't want to cut weight, so I just always competed at 183. And then one day I was like, oh, I weigh 170 because I've been running now. So I was like, I can cut a few pounds. And thankfully, because I eat the same thing every day, that was pretty easy to do. I just cut back the brown rice a little bit and presto, done. Done. Yeah. What, what do you eat every day? Oh, gosh. So for the last... Uh, Five or six years or so, I do crock pot chicken, uh, chicken oh. thigh, of course. Oh, the, just the chicken thighs? Yeah. No, okay. And do you, uh, do a jar of salsa. Bone, bone in or no? Oh, no bone. Just boneless, skinless? Yeah. Okay. Uh, jar of salsa in there and just leave it there for like 10 hours. And then I'll do uh, brown rice and broccoli in there. And I'll have that for lunch. I've had that for lunch like five days a week for the past five or six years. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. So pretty easy for me to monitor my weight. <clears throat> yeah. So how'd you get into, how'd you get into powerlifting? Uh, you know, I guess it starts back with how did I even <clears throat> get into CrossFit and fitness <laughs> yeah. in general? It's a better um, question probably. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I wasn't into fitness growing up. So I, uh, it was in college where I had this crazy idea that I was like, I'm going to join the Marines. And so I started training for Marine Corps officer school, which their test is, you know, 20 pull-ups, an 18-minute three-mile run, and uh, 100 sit-ups or 100 crunches in two hours. Or two Two minutes. hours. <laughs> yeah, two hours. Well, that's to max it. Yeah. Uh, yep, that's to max it. So yeah. I just started training for that. Um, Started eating a bit more. This was in college? Yeah, this was in college. Interesting. Yeah, so this was back in 2010. And did you do any like fitness stuff before that? Not really. I mean, I would go to the gym, have chest day, arm day. Yeah. But, you know, I wasn't really seeing any good gains. Mm -hmm. um, and Did you play sports, like, growing up? Not really. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I like, dabbled in track and field. I yeah. played a little volleyball. Okay. Um, but... No, I never played on any high school team or right. anything. Okay. I was, uh, I played paintball 
on a sponsored team in high school, but that's about <laughs> as far as my athletic that's, abilities went. That's pretty sweet. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, so you started training for this Marine Corps thing. Yep. Yep. Um, so I, I think out of 300 points, the possible 300 points you could get, I got up to like 289, which is pretty good, pretty good qualifier for a Marine Corps officer school. And then March came along and I got a job offer from IBM. So, uh, no more Marines for me. Uh, the Marine officer school school wasn't really recruiting heavily at the time. So it was like either have a chance at that in October or take this guaranteed Mm. good salary, uh, as soon as I graduate. So I joined IBM, but I wanted to stick with the fitness routine. Yeah. So, uh, I started running like, I started training for a marathon. I did that. And then I was like, I'm tired of being skinny at like 140 pounds. I'm just going to eat a ton and lift a ton and get muscle. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I think that happened in like 2013 or 2014 where I was just doing like a five by five and Jim Wendler's five, three, one program for a while. Um, and just eating everything in sight. And probably within like five or six months, I gained Holy cow. 20 or 30 pounds. A lot of that was probably fat, but then it toned out after a while. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. Okay. So you started, um, just doing the strength stuff and then, yep. and then how did you stumble across CrossFit? Uh, well, Old City CrossFit was opening oh, up nice. right down the street, and they had a great introductory offer. So <laughs> started working out with Old City CrossFit in the park. Um, oh, that's right. I didn't realize. I had forgotten that you were a, a park member. Yeah. There's a, few, there's a few park members still hanging around. An OG Old City park <laughs> member. And, uh, yeah, when the gym opened up, you know, I had already expressed interest to you guys that I wanted to be a coach. Yeah. And, um, yeah, a year later or a few months later, I became a coach. But then a year later I was like, been doing CrossFit for a little while. want to get a little more competitive. I've been pretty strong. Like my numbers comparatively are pretty strong, uh, for powerlifting. Right. I'm going to sign up for a meet. Why not? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I just got on a powerlifting program, did that. And, you know, uh, all the local competitions I've done, I've gotten a medal in, which is pretty cool. <laughs> uh, you know, there's usually like seven or eight people in your weight class. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's like pretty small community, but it's pretty, it's still fun to get out there and compete. Uh, and then I went to, uh, powerlifting nationals one year. Yeah. Uh, I qualified for that in, uh, Pennsylvania and, uh, I got to finish like right in the middle of the pack, so I can say I am the most average national powerlifter. <laughs> I think I finished actually thirty second out of like sixty five people. That's awesome. Yeah. <clears throat> so, walk me through a powerlifting meet. I went out. I think I watched one of one of your meets. Yeah. Um, I forget which one it was. Um, but anyway, walk me through like how how does it work? How do how do you? Yeah. Like, yeah. What what is what is powerlifting? Sean? Yeah. So powerlifting is uh, the back squat, bench, and deadlift. And you do the lifts in that order. So the way a powerlifting meet works is uh, you'll weigh in about two hours before the meet, and then about 
30 minutes to an hour before you start warming up, start putting weight on the bar. Um, and then each athlete gets three attempts at each of those lifts. So you'll start off, um, they'll load up the bar and say, or you put in your first attempt and you always want to hit your first attempt. So you put in like something easy, like your three rep max number, mm. um, something you know you'll hit on any given day just right. to get that confidence boost. Yeah. Uh, and then after your first attempt of squat, uh, everyone else goes, you probably have like a 10 minute break or so, and then you get to put in your second attempt and third attempt. So you do all three attempts of your squat and then move on to all three attempts of your bench. And then they take your highest performance or they take your total of all three? Uh, they take your total of all three. So they take your, well, they take your highest squat, your yep. highest bench and your highest deadlift. And then that's your, your score. Yep. Yep. That's your score. Cool. And, uh, there is some, uh, competitions that have like best deadlift and best uh-huh. bench, or sometimes they do a push pull, which is bench and deadlift. They've never had like a squat only competition, which mm. I'm pretty upset about because <laughs> I love squatting. Squats your best out of the three? Uh, squat and deadlift are definitely my best of the three. The bench is always kind of lagged behind. Yeah, what do you think that is? Uh, you just got to have like a big chest and yeah. uh, small, short arms. I'm right. very tall for my weight class. Uh, yeah. At 5'8", 183, you don't think that'd be like too tall. But yeah, the people you're competing against uh, sometimes are like, Five four, five five, so they don't have to push the bar as oh, far. Oh, I see. They do have to. Uh, they do have trouble with deadlifts though, because they have shorter arms, so they have to pull the bar a little further. That makes sense. Yeah. Huh. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So, <clears throat> so you, um, so you did the powerlifting thing, and then what came after powerlifting? Uh, then I did a triathlon thing That's for a little right. while. Okay. Um, yeah, triathlon. I just wanted to get back to my cardio roots uh while i was powerlifting you know you sacrifice a lot of cardio all i was doing was lifting right um so there was a point where i think i tried to run a mile and i was like can't do that right uh need to fix that hey never done a triathlon let's try that uh so i joined old city swim wad because i didn't really know how to swim (laughs) yeah shout out this is not an advertisement (laughs) shout out to old city swim wad um yeah, so the DC's I had, best <laughs> swimming institution for adult learn, learning to swim. Yeah, <laughs> it really did help me learn how to swim. Though, really, because I mean, I knew how to like get around and I wouldn't drown, but swimming laps, I could maybe make it back and forth once and then just be out of breath when yeah. I started. Um, yeah, I mean, swimming is. Uh, I grew up a swimmer, obviously. Well, maybe it's not yeah. obvious to people who are just listening, but um, I, I swam my whole life all through college. And I could get in the water today without having swam in years and years and years and out-swim the vast majority of people because it's such a technical sport, right? You, yep. Like, there's so much technique in, this, in, in, in the water that that can basically carry you the whole way. You know, the yep. vast majority of people who are training for triathlons, my opinion, their time needs to be spent working on technique in the water because they're going to develop their cardiovascular base by doing the running and the biking anyway. And yeah. all you need is to get out of the water, not that tired. And you'll, yeah. you'll, you'll do okay in the, in the triathlons. So that's cool. So you learn swimming with us. Yes. Nice. Uh, biking, you know, anyone can ride a bike. So, uh, that was, that wasn't too bad. And, uh, having to train for the run again, 
Um, I definitely sacrificed some strength there. Uh, my squat probably went from, you know, 463 to about 405, maybe yeah. high 300s, which is still good for me. But um, you sacrifice some strength there. And my running was not as good as it was when I was uh, 40 pounds lighter. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but yeah, I did triathlon. I did an Olympic distance triathlon where I actually didn't finish the swim. Yeah. Um, they pulled me out because I went too off course too many times. Yeah. Sighting, uh, because it was open water in a lake. Yeah, it was yeah. open water in a lake. Yeah, sighting is, is tough for that. It's, a, it's another level that w- when you only swim in a pool, it's yeah. hard to teach and mm-hmm. it's hard to like, like get the, the gravity of, of swimming in a lake, yeah. you know, but that sucks. Yeah. I think also it was just, I mean, you don't get this in a pool where people are kicking your mm-hmm. face and you have like 30 people around you all trying to swim. So, yeah. uh, yeah, but I wanted some redemption. Yes. Uh, so I so I did an Olympic distance triathlon, which is you know about a mile swim, uh, twenty six mile bike ride, and a uh, six point two mile run. Right. Uh, so then I was like, okay, didn't finish that. Might as well go up to the next thing. So I signed up for a half Ironman, <laughs> um, which the swim is only a little bit longer. <clears throat> Uh, the bike ride's 56 miles, I think, and the uh, run is a half marathon. Yeah. In uh, this one, uh, I hurt my foot beforehand, so I couldn't do the run, but I swam a little more, I trained more, I felt more prepared for that. Yeah. Uh, the bike is, you know, that's fine, that's time on the bike. Right. And I was able to finish the swim and bike portion of my half iron. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, they call it an aqua bike. An aqua bike? Yeah. <laughs> that's, uh, that's pretty So great. I got my redemption, and yeah. uh, I'm never going into open water swimming again. No, you're done. <laughs> yeah, you're yeah done. that's it. Wow. So you didn't, you didn't overcome your dislike for it, so to speak? No, still hate swimming, yeah. but... Uh, but better at it. Yeah. I, I have an appreciation for uh, <laughs> people that are good at swimming and that yeah. do do it. Um, that's I, awesome. And that's actually, it brings me to my next point. I think we talked about this the other week with yeah. uh, one of our members. Uh, I was reading up about the Patagonia CEO, and he calls himself an 80 percenter. Yeah. And there's this whole concept out there of being an 80 percenter where you devote yourself to something so much. Uh, so for me, let's say powerlifting. I devoted right. myself to powerlifting so much. I got... I considered myself like about an 80% proficiency, maybe a little higher than that. Yeah. And at that point, you kind of get an understanding of what it takes to get to that top 1%. And you have so much more of an appreciation of Mm. what these people do at that high level. And that's not just for powerlifting. That's for like swimming, CrossFit. Uh, I've recently gotten to rock climbing now. Yeah. Uh, I don't consider myself 80% proficiency there yet, but, um, so do you think it's, is the 80% just to gain an appreciation of, of what it takes to be elite in that, in that thing? Or do you think that, you know, spending like some amount of time to acquire that 80% competency is just the most effective way to use your, use your time? I think, uh, you get to that 80% point after a certain amount of time. I wouldn't say it was like, example, powerlifting. I wouldn't say, 
you only reach 80% proficiency when you qualify for nationals or something like that. Right. Um, but, yeah, sorry. I might have missed the question. No, no, no. Yeah, so so essentially my, my, my question is, you know, clearly you're all over the map in a, in a really good way, yeah, right? Yeah. Like your fitness, your fitness expanse goes from, you know, high level powerlifting to competing in triathlons to, you know, CrossFit and CrossFit coaching and rock climbing. And, you know, you're always dabbling in these little things. And, and like, I'm always interested in, in what motivates people and what, like what drives people to, um, to do things, to yeah. <laughs> do things period end of sentence and so um you know the big question is is that 80 percent goal like is that something that that you look back and you're like oh that's what i do or did you see that and go oh that's what i want to do mm. i think that's something i definitely look back and say oh that's what i do yeah For the most part things start off with like I'm pretty athletic now, so some activities I look at and I'm like, oh, I can use my current athleticism to do that and to have like a head start on yeah. most people. Um, and then when I look back, I'm like, oh man, I got pretty decent at that. But to get to that next level is a whole right. different beast. And so you you kind of you get motivated to yeah. to learn something new, and then once you once you've sort of learned it, yeah, then then you can sit back and assess if you want to invest that time and yep. the effort to become even better at it. Yeah, exactly. And I think what motivates me to do it in the first place is I just want to have fun. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm always looking for like different things to do, things to keep myself focused on an activity. Um, yeah. And does, I, I like switching it up. Yeah. Does that activity, cause you know, the powerlifting, you, you quickly put like a meet on like a date saying, I'm training for this with the triathlons. You put a date on it. You go, I'm training for this. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know if that's the case with the rock climbing stuff, but is, you know, does there need to be that, that pressure of a competition at the end of it to motivate you? Or is it just, that's just a convenient way to, you know, yeah motivate you think you know when I was younger back <laughs> in my younger days I would say that yes I definitely need a competition there to motivate me something to train toward yeah. but um, now I'm much more comfortable with just kind of exercising I know that uh, we've talked before and you've talked about on this podcast yeah. before training versus exercising for sure and you know I'm just very comfortable exercising right now with the level of exercise I'm doing um it's low stress for me. Yeah. Uh, I think putting that competition factor in, it can be stressful, which can be a good thing sometimes, yeah. but I think I put too much of that uh, on myself uh, over the last few years. So I'm just exercising right now. Right. Well, I think you yeah. can, I think you can train and I mean the line between training and exercise is always a, always an interesting one yeah. depending on who you talk to. But you know, I think if you're, if you're like exercising is like waking up and like going for a jog, right? Mm -hmm. Training is like wanting to get better at, you know, CrossFit or training is wanting to get better at rock climbing, yeah. you know, just because you're not training at that, at a high level, you know, there's a difference between like starting a swim season and, you know, building up a base and, you know, tapering and doing all the things that you would do to yeah. go through a nine month yeah. swim season. Like that's intense training. Yeah. But swimming three times a week, you're still training. 
Yeah. As long as you're, I, I, I don't know. I, I guess it's the difference between between just wanting to get fit, regardless of what that looks like. Yeah. Or um, wanting to learn a new skill. Yep. Yeah, and for me, uh, training has always. I've always considered training when you actually have a set plan mm. of like days where you're going to do this, days where. Yeah. You're gonna oh, do I that. see that. Okay. Um, yeah. And exercising is like, uh, I feel like rock climbing instead of yeah. going to CrossFit today. Right. And I'm still, you know, exercising or going to the gym five, six days a week. Right. Um, which I know some people would consider like intense training, but for me, it's just like exercising. I'm doing what I want to do. Right. Yeah. That 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 makes a lot of sense right yeah. there. Yeah. So you're um, just kind of downshifting from the the stress and the pressure of the competition side of things and then you're just just kind of enjoying fitness yeah sounds like yeah just doing doing what you want to do on a daily basis but you know still moving in a, a direction that's whatever i don't know positive or fun yeah yeah exactly and i'm still seeing like uh i still have my own little gym prs and i'm definitely working towards some things like i do have goals of you know, improving my double unders with my weird wrist. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I am definitely working towards some goals, uh, but I'm not setting myself to a, you have to do this on this certain day or you're garbage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I'm not putting that, my, that pressure on myself. Yeah. And is that just something, is that just based, it, it, it just comes in cycles where before you would put that that pressure on and, and you, you needed it. Now it's kind of like, yeah, let me take a break from that. But then when I find that next thing that I want to do, then I'll put the pressure back on. Yeah, yeah. And I think uh, I still do. I mean, the most important thing that I've learned and, you know, every coach will say this. The most important thing about anything is consistency. Yeah. So... Um, I want to improve my double unders. I don't have a set plan to do that, but I am still doing double unders, you know, three or four times a week. Right. Um, and I feel like I have enough experience to know, oh, I didn't do enough double unders that week or this is just the right amount. Um, yeah. I mean, that consistency piece is so important. Yeah. You know, like we run a gym, you know, like you coach at old city and, and that's the gym that, that this podcast is all about. And yeah, it's great. You know, Jen, Jen Jacobs puts a ton of effort in, into the programming and we yeah. put a lot of thought into the programming and it's, it's a really great program. Yeah. You know, like yeah. if you show up three, four times a week, you're going to get in great shape. Yes. But if you show up to any program three to four times a week, you're going to get in great shape, yep. you know? And so a large, a large part of what we try to do at the gym is make it a place that you want to keep coming back to. Make it a positive place. Make it a positive experience, right? Because if I stand there and I yell at you and I make you feel like crap, I might have pushed you, you know, two percent better that day. But if, if if that causes you not to show up one day, then then what difference does that two percent yeah. make? Yeah. And so I'm I'm a big believer in this, you know, like live live to lift another day. You know, if it's between like going a little heavier or going a little lighter, go a little lighter. Yeah. You know, like. That eighty percent, that eighty percent rule, I think, even applies to things like CrossFit. Like, if you train at eighty percent, this is probably going to get get me yelled at by some people. But if you train at eighty percent, you're going to be able to train more days. Yeah. You know, and that's kind of what I've started to adapt recently. You know, obviously CrossFit works because of high intensity, and you're supposed to push yourself to that high intensity every single day, and you know, constantly varied, functional movement, high intensity, three days on, one day off, over and over and over again. <laughs> that's great. That works, right? 
but it also doesn't work when just the mental burden of that stops you from coming into the gym. Yeah. And so I've been 2018's the year of getting back on the wagon for for me. <laughs> and uh, and one of the things that I tell myself, and I've said this before, like I I give myself permission to show up and not try, because I know for a fact that consistency is way more important than than max effort every single time. If I'm in the gym three to four times a week, that's better than me not being in the gym because just I know my personality. If I show up, I'm going to work really hard, yep. right? I may not work as, you know, as hard like 100%, but I'm going to work 90, 95. Like the, I'm going to be tired by the end of it. I'm going to be covered in sweat. Like yep. I'm going to like probably go RX, you know? I don't know. I just think that so many people get psyched out by the by the mental the mental challenges, the mental, like people get psyched out on things that, that haven't happened. You create the worst case scenario in your head and like you dream about all the ways that this workout's going to be miserable and then you just don't show up. Yep. Yep. And that, that I love that. Uh, I don't know who said this, but it's uh, paralysis through over analysis. Yeah. So I mean, you just think about something so much that yeah. you just don't end up doing it. Yeah. And for anything, I mean, for any of the hobbies that I picked up, you know, I did my research, you know, and then I was, you, you kind of dig yourself into a rabbit hole. What's the best program? How am I going to get the best gains? What equipment should I buy? There's so many different brands. Yeah. What should I get? And then it's just one of those things. You just got to block all that out, pick something. And do it. Do it. Yeah. And just do it. And then you almost got to like, you almost got to dive all in and explore it, you know, and, and then over time, you know, you start to get an understanding of what it is that you're, that you're doing, you know, like, like go all in on rock climbing, figure out what, like what it means to be like a rock climber, you know, and there's some equipment that you need to get and and things like that. But until you've been there pretty consistent, like I think there's the, there's the 80% where you know what it takes to be elite. And then there's like the, the 10 or 20% of knowledge that you know what it takes to get to that 80%. Yes. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, that's the game we're playing. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I see this. Yeah. Yeah, I, I recently joined a, a jiu-jitsu gym. Yeah. And it was yeah. uh, it was my Sean Chua-inspired uh, self-improvement through fitness. And I had, you know, I listened to, like, a lot of Joe Rogan and um, Jocko Willink, and they're always talking about Brazilian jiu-jitsu and how awesome it is and all these things and, and whatever. Um, but I... I was exactly what you were describing. Yep. I was so paralyzed by analysis that I would just, I would look at different gyms and I'd be like, oh, well, I don't know if I can make it to that one or the timing of this one. And then finally one day it was just like, you know what? Screw it. I'm just going to, I'm just going to do it. And then I, I signed up for a year and that's it. I just started going and I just started going every single day. And the first week was the first two weeks kind of sucked because like you're the new guy, you don't yeah. know what's going on. You're like, well, it's, it's so overwhelming. And then you start, you start rolling with people and then all they do is choke you out all the time. <laughs> and then I don't know when things started to click, but after week three, after week four, after week five, all of a sudden you're like, you start to see the game. Yeah. Right. And like, yeah, you see, you see the move before you get choked out and you're like, Oh, okay, well let me put my hand there and, and yeah. block the person from, <laughs> from choking me. <laughs> or you see like the way that they grab their, your arm. You're like, Oh, that's not happening today, buddy. <laughs> and then, you know, week six, week seven, eventually you're the one who's like setting people up and then you start to tap people out. And now it's like, now the world is open and now I see the path to the 80%, but that takes, you know, that, t- that takes two months. Yep. Yep. But then you see the people who are at that, you know, 
hundred percent. Like you, 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 you catch the glimpse of a black belt and you just look at the level that they know the game and you're like, Whoa, I know nothing. (laughs) Seriously, nothing. And then you watch videos on YouTube and then there's like black belts who are like, you know, the whole point of a black belt is so that you can start your jujitsu education. (laughs) And they're sitting around saying that they know nothing. And you're like, Oh, this is, this is ridiculous. Um, but I, I think it's that idea of that, that 80%, you know, I think when you start something, it's the least amount of work for the most amount of results happen in that, that very, that first six months to a year, maybe two years of studying anything of, of dedicated practice towards something. Yeah. Right. And I think you brought up a good point. Like if you want to do something, you just, you just have to make time for it. I mean, there's no other way. You can tell yourself excuses all day yeah. for an hour. Well, with that hour of making up excuses, you could have just gone. You know, yeah. We have a five a.m. class. Those <laughs> those guys are troopers. Um, you know, they just that might be the only time that they can work out during yeah. the day. They still come consistently, right? During that time every day. Yeah, you need like you need the motivation to get out of the door and to go show up. Like you need yeah. the motivation to show up. And that's what I love about organized things like group fitness, like CrossFit. I think that's really great because you just need the motivation to show up to the gym. You don't necessarily need the motivation to, um, you know, grind out. Like if you're doing, you know, a bro session, you're trying to get, you know, chest and back and you show up and you have 18 different things that you need to do. And each thing is a new motivation or at least for, for someone as mentally weak as I am, each thing is like, oh man. But then like once I get tired and I feel like I got a good workout, then I start rationalizing, well, you know, well, I'm tired and I did more than I otherwise would have done. So <laughs> this was a good day. Yeah. Um, like you show up for the CrossFit class and you're just there, right? And whether it's CrossFit, whether it's, you know, joining a running club, whether it's joining a rock climbing gym, like literally just move yourself in a better direction, in the Navy, we would uh, like the captain of ship would always say, you know, don't spend time thinking of the perfect improvement to the position. Move the ship in a safe direction, and then figure out where perfect is. Right? If I'm driving right towards another ship, and the perfect course is over here to the right somewhere, start moving right, and yeah. then figure out where the end right is. Right? Like helm right, 15 degrees rudder. Okay, now I can think because we're moving towards a safe direction. But so many people just sit there and they just look at the ship and they're like, oh, no, I know I need to turn. What course do I need to turn? Recommendations for course to turn. And then before they know it, they hit the ship. And I think we do that in life. And I think that's that's, uh, something that that, that you you get better at just by by starting something, just by doing something, something that you know is going to be good for you. But you, you may not know what that thing is, you know, like I know I need to get in shape. I have no idea what CrossFit is, but I'm going to join a gym because I see the people that do CrossFit and they look like they're in shape yep. or I need to eat healthier. I'm going to, you know, do this whole 30 or I'm going to do like I'm going to do something because yep. that's got to be better than nothing. Yeah, I would so much rather make the wrong decision than just be caught up in indecision. Um, Because if you make a wrong decision, at least you're able to learn from that. But if you don't make any decision whatsoever, you have no point of reference to to learn from besides, oh, I probably should have made a decision. Yeah. One of the, um, I feel like this is story time with Sean. Yeah. (laughs) One of of the most 
important lessons in leadership I ever got. This is probably the only positive thing I took out of the Naval Academy. <laughs> the only positive thing. So there's this. Uh, he's he's uh, he's passed since, but uh, there's the, there was this colonel in the Marine Corps. This guy, Colonel Ripley. And uh, I don't think he's connected to the Ripley's, believe it or not. But yeah, I don't think so. But he is um, one of the most inspirational Marines. Like um, the Bridge of Dong Ha is when he made his uh, his heroic um, Congressional Medal of Honor worthy. He didn't get the Medal of Honor because it needs an American witness, and there was some nuance about it. But it was one of those types mm-hmm. of heroic things that that you read about and see about in the movies. And uh, the bridge of Dong Ha is this bridge in Vietnam, and he was he was attached to like uh, some Vietnamese village, some South Vietnamese village, and and the North was coming and attacking this village, and the bridge if if the bridge stood, then the village would be decimated, and the army could just roll right across the bridge. But if the bridge was destroyed, then the gap would give the village time to to escape essentially, and so. It was all hands on deck. We got to blow this bridge up. Mm -hmm. And then the fighting started around the bridge. And then you couldn't go across the bridge on the top because you'd you'd get shot. Mm -hmm. And so Colonel Ripley just struck, uh, like stuck uh, some C4 to his his chest and went hand over hand across the I-beams underneath the bridge. No rope, no nothing. Literally just hand over hand and laid C4 across the whole bridge. It took like five or six trips, getting shot a few times in the Mm -hmm. process and literally just dangling from a bridge getting shot like if he if he let go he falls to his death yeah right mm-hmm. <clears throat> that's Colonel Ripley <laughs> okay so um, when he comes to your leadership class of 16 people you pay attention like yeah. that's not a class that you sleep through like I want to hear what this guy has to say yeah and he spent the whole time not talking about his his acts of heroism he spent the whole time basically telling us his story of his first week in Vietnam and he was he was a Naval Academy graduate and you know you go to Vietnam and it's it's you have draftees and you have you know it's just one of these scenarios that I can't even imagine the leadership challenge yeah. right mm-hmm. especially if you're coming from you know the Naval Academy and yeah. you go out there and and you're an officer and you're new and you have no experience but you're technically like you're technically supposed to be a leader but you don't know anything about anything you're in charge and, of all these people that have been there longer than you <laughs> yeah it's such a weird it's such a weird dynamic and it's such a challenging leadership uh problem to be in. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so Colonel Ripley's leading a, leading a patrol of his, of his new platoon that he's in charge of or, or whatever. And, you know, he can hear them all snicker and talk about the new green lieutenant and how this guy's, you know, doesn't know anything and yeah. whatever. And he's like, I, I no idea how to handle this situation. But, it, you know, they give him like a light, easy patrol. He does the patrol. And as they're walking back from this patrol, all of a sudden they start to get attacked. People start shooting them. And he said that they dropped to the ground and like two minutes before, nobody was respecting him. Everybody was saying, you know, like, who is this guy? Who is this green lieutenant? Whatever. But the moment shots were fired, he was like, every single eyeball was on me. Yeah. And he said, the worst thing I could do in that scenario was nothing. And I had no idea what to do, but I started yelling things and orders <laughs> and I had no clue and no concept and I knew nothing. But the only thing I knew is that I had to speak. And the moment I started speaking people started acting. And the most important way that people acted was to tell me that what I was telling them to do was wrong. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> no, sir, let's not do that. We need to go over here. Great, do that. <laughs> yeah. Yep, yep. <laughs> and it's exactly your point. Like you have to act in order to in order to get feedback. Yeah. But if he would have just sat there, now 
the whole the whole system falls apart because you know the military system requires orders and you know whatever and feedback and you can't just have 500 people running in different directions there needs to be you know organization yeah. and so i mean after he told me that that that, that changed my life like yeah. that was okay the worst mistake is not allowing yourself to make a mistake yes and I took that into my submarine service and, you know, we would do like these casualty drills and I would just get on the microphone and start like yelling all these things. And the people would be like, recommend not doing that. Recommend <laughs> shutting this valve, not opening that valve. <laughs> Very well. Do that. <laughs> Sounds good. You sound like you know what you're talking about here. <laughs> we're going to, we're going to, we're going to do your advice. <laughs> and then, you know, then when you got graded, you would get marks for good watch team backup. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Engineer off the watch down mark for stupidity and being dumb, but great watch team backup. Yep. Yep. Um, but I, I really like that idea of like applying these concepts to fitness where like you don't know that you're not going to like CrossFit unless you do CrossFit, right? You don't know that, you know, rock climbing doesn't really work for you if you don't do it. Yeah. And you gotta, you gotta do it. Yeah. Like, I'm not talking like for a week or a month, probably like three to six months. Yes. Especially when we're talking about something fitness, something really hard and challenging. Yeah. Because you're going to, you're going to go and you're going to go, it's going to, you're going to have great days and you're going to have bad days. Yeah. Probably in anything. And you got to have enough context to know, are you just having a bad week, a bad month, or is this just something you don't really connect with? Yeah. And I think one of the big things too is, you know, in that first three to six months, be open to learning. You're, yeah. you're the newbie here. You got to be open to learning. We don't care what you've read on the internet or anything like that. Just listen to your coach. Right. Um, you know, they'll walk you through it. Um, I mean, everything that I've done, you know, I've done the research, I've talked to coaches and it's... You know, you just got to be open to learning and yeah. take that advice and don't just ignore advice from people that have been doing this a lot longer than you right. have probably. Yeah. And that's, that's something that I, I mean, especially in fitness where you have so many different camps, you know, it's <laughs> like, oh, well I'm the bodybuilder and this is the right way to go. Yeah. And you know, I'm the paleo and that's the only thing that, you know, that we do for this is we just pick up heavy rocks or whatever. I'm, I'm, it doesn't matter. Right. Yeah. There's. There's a million. There's a million right answers to fitness. You yeah. know, like yeah. they're literally millions. I, I I say this all the time. CrossFit can work for everyone, but won't. Yeah. You know, like it can. It will. If you if you do constantly varied functional movements at a high intensity, you're going to get in good shape. But that doesn't work for everybody. Yeah. Right. And I'm cool with that. I don't need everybody. Yeah. I need the 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 ten people who I think are are amazing people. I need them. Right. Yeah. I don't need the the whole world to do this. But what doesn't work <laughs> is universal, right? Yep. Like what doesn't work, you will not get in shape sitting on the, on your couch watching TV, right? You will not get in shape eating bonbons and uh, and popcorn and playing video games. Nope. That has a role in a healthy, balanced life, you yeah. know? Like, <laughs> like yesterday, I worked out for two hours at Open Gym, and then I spent the remainder of the day probably just playing video games at a standing desk, though. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty. That's pretty. It's pretty legit. I threw some uh, some jump ropes in there. I got these little, <laughs> little uh, handles with the string attached to them. <laughs> that's way more motivated than I am. See, I I think if I like if I work out, I would say I, my goal right now is to I want to I want to sweat every day. 
Yep. That's a goal. Okay. Whether that whether that's like an organized sweat, like I go to CrossFit and I sweat, or whether I go to jujitsu and sweat, or whether I just don't do anything and then I have to like, I don't know, do a hundred push ups. Seven minutes of burpees. <laughs> yeah. But the moment sweat happens, it's like check, <laughs> done. <laughs> I'm sitting down. When I started thinking about the seven minute burpees. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And I'll just take a really hot bath. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's, you know, like that that's what's so fascinating to me about about health and fitness and everything is that there's so many right answers, but the that the wrong answer is universal, right? Yeah. Inaction, inactivity, doing nothing is is always wrong. Doing something is is always better than, than nothing. Yeah. And with so many different options out there, it it's almost I don't you know, I don't I don't like shaming people into fitness because I yeah. think that's silly, but I do I do like challenging people to improve themselves yeah you know and i think that's what's really inspirational so you know yeah inspirational fuck it that's that's exactly what it is inspirational about your stories about fitness is just your constant ability to find something new and tackle it yeah and then become good at it and then repeat that process yeah there are some misses there like swimming but i still i still went after it and yeah that's what counts (laughs) exactly but i mean you're you're a significantly better swimmer now than when you started yes just because you don't fall in love like just because you don't fall in love with something doesn't mean it's a miss yeah right like it's a it's a like whatever i gained a new skill that's for sure yeah and that's the that's the part about crossfit that a lot of people miss is this practice and play new sports you know Mm -hmm. they talk about gymnastics and cardiovascular and weightlifting and the very very tip of that triangle is literally it says practice and play new sports and i think that's what a lot of people miss in their fitness is you just get stuck in the gym and you just get blinded to exactly what happens in the gym and you don't you don't i don't know you don't you don't apply that fitness anywhere like what's the point of life what's what's the point of preparing for life if you don't, if you have no application for that fitness, yeah, and that's the fun stuff, you know. I mean, sure, thrusters and pull-ups is a lot of fun, <laughs> but more fun is climbing a mountain. Yeah, more fun is, um, you know, playing a sport. I don't know, maybe for me at least. Yeah, and I, I think uh, you bring up a good point. Like being in the gym, you know, when I first started, and I'm sure this is a story for some people, uh, especially you kind of treat every workout like the CrossFit open workout and you just go 110% every single time all at it. Right. And I think that's a lot of, uh, that's that mistake that you start making. Like when you're in that six to 12 month range after you learn the movements and you are like, okay, we're going to start like kicking up the intensity. Um, and you just kind of mentally burn yourself out. And I think that's one of the things that I'm most afraid of is, mentally burning myself out if I commit myself too much to something. Yeah. So I kind of just have to adjust that level of how much like effort or commitment I'm putting towards something. So I don't mentally burn myself out. Um, and I think I've had my thresholds pretty high. Like I I can still go pretty hard during workouts without being like, this is the CrossFit open. I'm going 110%. But this Friday though, it is going to be, (laughs) 110% effort. It's going to be awesome. (laughs) It's going to be incredible. The the Sean versus Sean CrossFit Open. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I'm excited for that. And, and, you know, I was listening to, um, oh, man, he's a great, uh, Kenny, Kenny, um, whatever. He's the the owner of CrossFit LA. 
and I met him and I was talking to him and then I listened to him in a podcast shortly thereafter where he was talking about in their gym, they sort of adapted this idea. They have three different workouts that you can choose to do on any given day. It's recovery. It's like consistency or it's like game day, game day. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. And it's the same workout. It's just a little different. You know, Mm -hmm. like let's say if it was Fran. Like the game day would be 2159, 9565. Yeah. Crush it. 100% effort. Mm-hmm. All out. Um, the consistency might be 2159 thrusters, pull ups with a minute rest in between each. Yeah. And then recovery might be 2115 or, you know, 423018 with a 15 pound barbell and jumping pull ups. Yeah. Something like that. Where, like, you show up, how do you feel? Do how you feel. Yeah. Pick whatever you want. But. You know, I mean, I would always like, <laughs> I don't know if I would ever go game day. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Sometimes I need that nudge. If I have, if I have too much of a choice, I don't know if, if that would work for me, yeah. but I, I do like that idea of, you know, like no doubt about it. No doubt about it. If you, if you go a hundred percent, every time you're in the gym, you're going to get more results than if you don't. Yeah. Unless you're never in the gym yep. because you went 100% and <laughs> it takes you 18 days to recover from that. You went 100% three months in a row and then you need six months off. Yeah. Yeah. Like swim seasons. When I was when I was swimming in high school and college, much more so in college just because of all the other, you know, like high school is such a protected environment. You know, you come home, your your mom has cooked you dinner, you 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 go to school, you have friends, like life, life is easy in high school, (laughs) but, uh, in college, especially at the Naval Academy, life was not so easy and it sucked. And there was so much other pressure and stress outside of swimming that it like swimming broke me in college. Like it just broke me mentally Mm -hmm. high school. It was still fun because that's all your friends. And so you're showing up and you're hanging out with your friends and Oh yeah. And you're working hard, but like high school, you can get amped for that that two hours in the morning, that two hours at night. That's that's your stressful part. But everything else is kind of like, oh, whatever. Smooth sailing. Yeah, exactly. It's taken care of for me. Bingo. Right. And that's nice. It's nice to you know. It's nice to be able to grow up in that environment. Yeah. You know, like that's the only way that I was achieved what I achieved in swimming is because, you know, my family and, and you know where we grew up and all those things were really great. College, however, broke me mentally so fast. Yeah. I mean, it was literally like, I remember the very first practice and I was like, well, this sucks. Yeah. <laughs> 3200s, 3200s. And I, and I was like, Whoa, did, what? No, what? No, <laughs> that sounds like a lot. Yeah. And Let's it cut that down to 10. Yeah. <laughs> let's not do that. And I think, you know, when you're, when you're training, like again, it's, that goes back to that 80, 20 conversation, mm-hmm. that last 20%, well, the last 20% of the last 20%, you know, like to get to that 5% or to get to that 1%, to be the best, yeah. to be the best on your team in college, to be competitive in the division one, you know, circuit to like, to be elite at anything that, that last 20%, it's not even about that. It's about that top 1%. Yeah. And that is so exhausting. Yes. But the, the, the pursuit, like the, the result is so rewarding because it, you know, it's proportional to the amount of work that you put into it, right? Yeah. If, you know, if you swim off course in a triathlon that you're training at the 80% level, yeah, it's frustrating. It sucks a little bit. You yep. probably want to finish that, but that would be nowhere near the, the devastation of nine months of training for a race and you fall start and you don't get to swim the race. Yeah. 
Oh my gosh. Can't even imagine that. Yeah. And so like to, to some extent, I think it's really important to find that thing that you're going to pursue that top, like pursue, figure out how far you can push yourself. Yes. But then like that is so mentally exhausting. That is so time consuming. That is so draining. And that's also not a pursuit that fits into everyone's life. Like if you're, if you're 30, have two kids and a wife, like that's probably not the time to become top 1% chess player in the world. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I've been uh, actually reading a lot of stories with the winter Olympic Olympics going on. Mm. There's a DC curling club and yeah. I guess, you know, every four years that DC curling club just becomes packed. And yeah. I, I've heard that you can't book it for a year now because people see it on the Olympics and they're like, that doesn't look that hard. I could do that. Let's start signing up for yeah. DC curling. Uh, and then, you know, I think they're going to have a harsh reality when they figure out, oh, this 10 to 20% isn't so bad. You learn a little bit more and Uh-oh. it's just a whole different game that they're playing. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that's really like, I think that's fun because if, yeah. if you do fall in love with something, yes, then there's almost an infinite complexity that goes into that thing. You know, like, Certainly that's certainly that's true with fitness. You can always get more and more and more fit. You can optimize your recovery. You can optimize your sleep. You can make sure your nutrition's on point. There's a million different angles that you can go. Mm-hmm. You know, take something like chess or jujitsu or, you know, something that's, you know, like, like you just, like you just keep pulling back the onion in every layer that you go deeper and deeper into the yeah. game. There's a whole, like, I, I, I was studying chess. I was I had a goal to beat my dad in chess. Oh yeah, and, uh, I think we've I, all had that goal. I know, I know. Do you play chess? Oh yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think we talked about this. Yeah. We gotta play. But I studied. I was on the. I was on the submarine. I went on a deployment, and for six months, I studied chess. Like I studied it hard. Yeah. Like, really aggressively studied. I had books, and I remember like, getting pretty good. Getting to that eighty percent. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm not nowhere near like great, but I'm definitely at the 80%. And I remember finding the next book that would help take me to the next level. And I remember I was looking at books that like, I didn't even, I didn't even comprehend what the book was about. (laughs) They were talking about maintaining tension in chess games and how, you know, like the psychological battle and like going into aspects of the game that I didn't even know existed. Yeah. And I was like, ah, that's that's too much for me. <laughs> I'm pretty good here, you know. Yeah. Like if you play me in chess, it'll be a good game, unless yep. you're really really insanely good, and then it won't be a good game. But I yep. can I can be competitive with most people, and I think that's a fun place to be. Yeah. But it's also awesome to know that if I'm not satisfied with that level, that I can get deeper and I can get deeper and I can go deeper. Yeah, the and knowledge I, is there. Yeah. yeah. And don't get me wrong, I'm very excited for those people that are signing up for curling for a year, but I think they're going to be hit by that, oh my gosh, curling is not as easy as I thought it would be. For sure. <laughs> well, I think it's, I think it's expectations, right? Yeah. Like I think, I think one of the things that, and you touched on this earlier, like you have to come in to something that you're new at with the mindset of wanting to learn, yeah. right? Setting your ego aside Sure. You might be, you know, like this, like, like you might be a former collegiate athlete, yep. but you're brand new at this. Yeah. So yeah, you might pick it up faster than some people, but you still have to pick it up. Yes. You know? And I mean, that's one thing I'm learning in jujitsu and, and I certainly went in with, with a proper, proper mindset. But when you're in the middle of a fight, you forget 
Yeah. Right. And it's just like, oh, I can muscle this this guy off me, especially being a little bigger because I do CrossFit. Yeah. Like, and I just throw people off me. I'm like, wait a minute, that's not the right technique. And if yeah. this person was my size, I wouldn't be able to do that. So why don't I practice? And you know, and then do just having the the humility of you know listening to your coach and like all of that stuff, I think is so important. Yeah. And if you approach if you approach curling, going, oh well, this is easy. I'm going to join the Olympics next next season because yeah. this is so easy. Yeah, and I'm like amazing at this. I was really good at my high school shuffleboard team. <laughs> you're not gonna you're not gonna nope. get anywhere. <laughs> yeah, um, and man, I I love our athletes at Old City CrossFit because mm. I think for the most part, I every athlete I've worked with has come in with that mindset. For sure, of, I'm here. I'm here to learn. Yeah. Um, I, I want to learn this new skill. I don't know anything about it. I may have done some bodybuilding or squatting, for sure. but I'm open to learning how to not quarter squat anymore. <laughs> yeah. And even if like, like what I love, what I uh, certainly agree about our athletes and what I love about most people's perspective when it comes to, you know, learning CrossFit, learning sports, like being coached is I'm not sitting here telling you that I know everything right? I don't know everything. There's a lot of things that you know, but I'm going to see something in you and I'm going to communicate to you. And, and hopefully together we, we start to build a complete puzzle in your, in your head about what, you know, what fitness is, what squat is, what CrossFit is. And it's like, I'm here to, to help show you what I see. Yeah. Right. And then you, you take, you take what I see and then you, you start to build a complete puzzle. Right. Yeah. So yeah, you may have, a ton of knowledge on, you know, body awareness through gymnastics training that you took, or, you know, you grew up playing, I don't know, lacrosse or something. And you, you had a strength coach who, ta- who taught you something. Well, now I'm teaching you something else from my perspective. And it's your job as the athlete to sort of take all of these different perspectives and start to start to build your understanding of, of fitness, of CrossFit, of yeah. life together with, you know, with, input that you're getting from everybody. Yeah. And if you're not open to listening, then you're not going to, you're not going to take advantage of, you know, something Yeah. Uh, like I truly, and one of the reasons why I started this podcast, I could truly believe that everybody I talk to has some, has something to teach me, yep. you know, even being the owner and, and, <laughs> and, you know, like you technically work for me, yeah. Sean, yeah. like if I can't learn from you, then, then, then that's my ego preventing my ability to grow as a person. Yep. And I think that's, you know, they say doctors are the worst patients to treat. Mm. I think sometimes coaches are the worst athletes to train because for sure some coaches come in thinking, no, I have my way. And there are definitely some things that I know. I'm like, no, I have my way. I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, I've, you know, it's something that I've been working on and I always try to be open like, Hey, uh, and I always ask the coach when it's not a busy class, Hey, can you take a look at this and yeah. see, I want to get as many different points of view as possible right. to try and improve myself. Well, yeah. And you're building, you're building the picture. And sometimes the best way to build a picture is to, you know, to look in the mirror and, yeah. you know, you can look in the mirror. Sure. But a coach was going to see things that, that you're not going to see. Yeah. And that's why I think everybody needs a coach in everything that they want to get better at, right? Yeah. If you want to get better at chess, you probably need a chess coach. Yeah. You know? If you want to get better at rock climbing, you probably need a rock climbing coach. If you want to get better at public speaking, get a public speaking coach. Yeah. And you there's a lot that you can do on your own. Like self-study especially in the internet can take you so far. It can even take you into excellence. Yeah. But 
you're always going to, not always, you're more likely to just affirm your own bias if you're in, if you're in constant self-study than, than be forced to explore areas that you're not comfortable with. If you go to the gym and work out, you're likely to just do the things that you're good at over and over again and get even better at those things. And you're not, you're probably not going to have the, the perspective or motivation to work on things that you're really weak at. You know, like if you just show up to the gym four times a week, you're going to stumble across workouts that you suck at, that you don't like movements that you're really bad at, where if you just show, go up to the gym and do whatever it is that you want, you're never going to be forced to run. You're never going to be forced to do handstand pushups or dips. Yeah. And you're always going to be, you know, power snatching and deadlifting. Yep. If you want to get better at something, you have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. That's like... In, in jiu-jitsu, one of the things, I'm nowhere near at the level to do this, but one of the things that I've heard of like the more experienced people do is they'll intentionally put themselves into very weak positions that they're not competent in mm-hmm. to explore that position and to learn better how to deal with that position against more junior people. Yeah. So like I'm a very, very junior white belt, and so a blue belt might say like, hey, let's uh, let's start with you in this in this much, you know, this very good position that I could never get him in Otherwise, otherwise, yeah. but now he gets to practice escaping, you know, this this side control position from you know a really heavy guy who's going to put a lot of pressure on him. Yeah, and so now he gets better at a position that he's weak at because he has the 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 ability to say, "Hey, we're training here. It's training's about getting better. It's not about winning." And so he's going to put himself in a position where potentially a really junior white belt can submit a, a pretty senior blue belt. Yeah, like that would never happen in real life, <laughs> you know. But because he he has the the wherewithal to get better at something. He's saying like, yeah, let's do this. And you, it gives you the opportunity to get into a new position and right. see how you would react to what he's doing as exactly. well. Exactly, and it's it's it literally is like a win win. But yeah. the only way that you can get to that win win is if you if you truly enter that with a uh, with a mindset of wanting to get better, yep. a mindset of improvement, not a mindset of, of victory. Yeah. When I was studying chess, I would I, chess master was um, was my teacher for a long time. Have you heard of that game? A chess no. master 9,000. No. It's basic. Like, seriously, it's... I, I have looked for this game. <laughs> the, there's a bunch of videos on YouTube that, that have it, but not the game. Like, the whole complete... Like, the way that it was set up, it had courses. Um, the guy teaching it is this guy, uh, Josh Waitskin, who was the kid in Searching for Bobby Fischer. Um, and Josh Waitskin's teacher, Bruce Pandolfini... Um, they created this. I don't know if they created the game or if they yeah. were p- picked by the people who created the game to teach the chess. But it is phenomenal in the way that they teach chess. And Josh is always telling stories about his childhood and you know whatever. And he would he was telling a story about how he was you know touring around the world and his father was bragging about his son having never lost a chess game in you know like six years yeah. undefeated in six years. And Josh is like that's that's terrible. <laughs> That's terrible. It's not good because yeah. your son, your son isn't isn't pushing himself. You, like you need to find your son better competition, or you know, or he's never going to improve. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, I mean, it, you, like strength training, jujitsu, rock climbing. If you just do the one path that you know you can do, yeah, you're not going to get that much better. You're going to get some better. You're going to get better at doing that path, but. Like we grow as humans at the margin of our abilities, and if you never find the margin of that ability, then you're never going to grow. Yeah. Right. If you don't, if you don't lift weights until you fail, you're not going to get stronger. Yeah. Right. I mean, you maybe you will. Maybe you can get stronger doing, you know, a hundred reps at fifty percent of your max. But, <laughs> no. 
but still that hundredth rep is failure. Yep. You know, like it's, that's such an important concept, right? To grow is to fail. Yep. And for me, I think my, when I went into powerlifting, you know, all my meets, I wanted to be perfect nine for nine, basically hit, you know, every attempt, never get any red light. And, uh, it wasn't until, uh, my national competition where I got one of my first red lights. So the way it works is, uh, you finish your lift and then you have three judges and they each give a red light or a white light saying whether the lift was good or bad. And they have various reasons why they would do that. Um, and I had never, ever gotten a red light in my life before until I stepped onto the national stage and I was like, I thought I was doing everything the same, but I wasn't. Um, or maybe I was. And the other judges in the past, like were going easy on me. Yeah. But yeah, I think that was definitely a, uh, an eye opener for me when I got some of my first red lights on the national stage and I was a little turned off from powerlifting for a while. Right. I needed to take some time off cause I was like, I'm just so burned out. Like I trained so hard for this. I didn't really PR except for my deadlift. Nice. Nice. <laughs> um, I didn't really PR perform as well as I wanted to on this stage. Um, so I kind of took a step back and, uh, reevaluated and then I kind of, and that's when I really did truly learn, uh, what it takes to be at that 1% again. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really interesting. Yeah. Cause you know, failure is, failure is a tough, tough thing. Yeah. You know, yeah. like it's a brutal teacher yep. and it takes like, I'm not sitting here saying like I get super jazzed about failing, you know, like I don't, I don't enjoy, you know, missing lifts. I don't enjoy doing bad at CrossFit. I certainly don't enjoy getting choked out in yeah. the gym, <laughs> but it's, it's something that needs to happen. It, it has to happen. Yeah. And if it's not happening, then you're failing in a different reason. You yep. know, you're failing for a different reason. Your, your failure is going to come <laughs> if it hasn't come yet. And yeah, I think that's, that's something that, that is, uh, I think it is a value. I think, I think a lot of people understand that value, but I don't think they, they consciously seek failure yep. as much as they should. And to avoid talking about failure too much. Failure does lead to success. <laughs> and it makes the success sweeter. Yeah. Right? I even have a good story about yes. how it led to my success. So after that national competition, the very next powerlifting meet was, you know, I'm going to start training like one of those 1% athletes. Yeah. So, you know, that's when I decided to cut down my weight so I could compete in the lower weight class. Mm. And uh, my lifts would still stay about the same. Um so I competed in the lower weight class. I think I got signed up for this com- competition. Uh, was able to lift about the same, maybe like 20 or 30 pounds less on most of my lifts. Yeah. But then that's the competition that I was able to take a giant check home yes. for $200, which just about covered the registration of that competition. <laughs> that's awesome. Just about. Um, not quite. Yeah. Just about. Yeah. So... Um, I mean, it's super awesome to win stuff, but it's definitely the the journey that takes you there that I think is the thing that you most learn from. Right. Well, I think like the victory is as sweet as the journey was difficult. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, like if I like like Liam and I, we won the spike ball tournament. <laughs> that was awesome. Like it was really cool to win, but it's not like I was training eight hours a day every day to. Well, 
Were you? <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. Well, we, Liam and I had secret training camps. And it was really sweet. Um, well, two things. One, I think it's like it's like when when the competition is really high, that also affects you know like yeah like how good it feels. Yeah, how good it feels. But you know when the competition is really high, then the road needs to be longer to overcome that competition. And that's why you know like there's there's no better feeling like the the best. The happiest I've ever been is not the happiest I've ever been. I mean, it's a bit of a, a platitude, um, but I like insanely proud of my performances when I was swimming. Like insanely mm-hmm. proud of of victories and of of my accomplishments in that arena because it was an arena of everyone who was taking it as seriously as as I did, and there was you know thousands of failures, and then there was that one shining moment yeah. you know where where you touch the wall first and it just like did it yeah and it has it has little to do with that moment because when you touch like yeah that moment feels great but you're just sitting back feeling the gravity of every moment leading up to that moment yeah and being proud that, that you did that and knowing that like like another thing that feels good about about winning in hard things is like knowing that you can rise to the challenge, knowing that you can overcome the challenge and knowing that, that you're capable of like, if I could do this, I could do anything. Yes. That sort of, that sort of thing. I think that's, that, I think that's so important. Yeah. And that's kind of been a theme of basically every podcast I've, I've had in like <laughs> the last like three or four weeks. It's like, we, we always stumble across this point of like, why, why do challenging things, you know? Yeah, why bother? Why not just sit on the couch and, you know, drink beer and eat chips? Right. Yeah. You can still do that and be healthy if you work <laughs> out at Old City CrossFit four or <laughs> five times a week. For sure. But, I, you know, yeah. I, think, I, think, I think challenging things is, like, doing challenging things is a way to, like, learn more about yourself, a way to explore, like... We, we talked about you get better at the margins of your abilities. And so how do you improve if you don't find the margins of your abilities? You know, And so one thing I love about CrossFit is every time you show up, you're going to be, you're going to be introduced to failure. You can't win CrossFit. Nope. I mean, I mean one like Matt Frazier can win CrossFit. Yeah. Yeah. Right. He's it. But even in the process of him winning CrossFit, he's, he's faced with failure every single time, you know, like at the end of each workout, he's going as hard as he can. He yeah. is at the door of failure and he has to push, he has to, he has to walk through the door or not. And, and especially at, at, you know, at the gym level, it's like at the level of, you know, people that, that we have at the gym, which, you know, no one's Matt Fraser. Yeah. It's not insulting. No anybody. one can be Matt Fraser. <laughs> um, I think at that level, it's, you know, failure comes a lot, a lot quicker. Yeah. And I think that's cool. Yeah, and I think it's great to have, you know, little goals for a workout, you know. I think we had a workout last week that was 10 toes to bar, 10-minute AMRAP with 10 toes to bar in it, and I set a goal for myself, don't do more than two sets. Yeah. Or don't break this up into more than two sets. Yeah. So either do 6-4 or just go unbroken. I think I was able to do that for the whole 10 minutes. And, yeah. Um, but there, there will be some days where you miss that goal, and then you know... Okay, I failed that goal, but it's something I know I need to improve on now. Right, and and you start to think about: Did I fail that goal because I wasn't strong enough? Mm-hmm. 
physically? Did I fail that goal because I wasn't strong enough mentally? Did I fail that goal because I gave up on myself? Like what, like why didn't I do what I set out to do? Yeah. And that is the process of becoming better, like both physically and as a human, right? Like why did I let myself down in this scenario? You know? Yeah. Man, I should be better. I should pay more attention to, you know, that next time. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that is the, like, I think that's so important. That's so important because like never sitting on your couch watching TV, did you go, oh, well, that's, that's an area in my life where I could be better. Unless it's the inverse where you like, you're hitting rock bottom because you sat on the couch for 18 hours yeah. and then you stood up and you're like, oh God, I feel like garbage. Yeah. <laughs> I shouldn't have done that. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, we figured that one out. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Uh, so you just got to do things. Yeah. Do things, man. Just, just literally like find it, find, find something that find a skill that you'd like to have and then start acquiring that skill. Right. Yeah. If you want to be good at chess, find chess master 9,000. And then when that runs its course, find a chess coach. If you want to get in better shape, join a gym. If you want to get in really good shape, join old city CrossFit. <laughs> if you want to learn Spanish, start studying Spanish, like just action. I say, I've said this before, but Dan Carlin, he had a podcast with Joe Rogan. He was talking about life being a verb. Like life is action in order to improve yourself. You need to move yourself, like move towards what, what it is that you want. If, if you're, if you're inactive, you fall. If you're active, you can, you know, you can actively move in a negative direction, but that's not going to take very long. (laughs) You're going to actively move in a negative direction and then you're very quickly going to write your course, you know? Very quickly going to go. Well, I didn't like that at all. I'm never doing that again. But now I know. Now I know. <laughs> so now I'm going to do something I like. Yeah. Um, you mentioned you mentioned a while ago um, that you you know that you wanted to coach. So I want to get I want to explore that a little bit more. Um, so like I remember I remember like you were I think you're the the second oldest coach we have not old in age but I yeah. think Jen Jacobs is yeah. is the only more you know long longer yep. coach that we've had so just walk me through um, mentally just how your how your mind evolved from you know getting into fitness having no real experience with fitness getting into fitness and then wanting to turn that into what I would consider like a fitness leadership position. Yeah. I mean, I think we touched on it a little bit too with that uh, paralysis through overanalysis where um, when I first started fitness, I really had no idea what I was getting myself into. So I was on the internet, you know, browsing all the sites, figuring out what the best program was. If I did this, I would do it all wrong. Um, And I think I wanted to become a coach because I don't want people to go through that. Uh, I have a lot of my coworkers always coming up to me because they've learned that I'm a fitness coach now. They always come up to me and asking, hey, what's the best program uh, that I should do? Or what program should I do to get stronger? My immediate answer will always just be five by five, starting strength. Do that three months, six months, come check back in with me after that. Um... Or just come to Old City CrossFit and we'll like get you on a good strength program. But out of all the coworkers that I've told to do starting strength five by five uh, or any pr- workout program and come check back in with me in like three to six months, I don't think I've ever had anyone actually come back to me with like their results. So uh, 
I think just joining a gym and having a coach is so important to being able to get that consistency that you need. Yeah. Uh, and you can't just, uh, well, some, it's very rare that a person can just ask another person, Hey, what program should I pick up? Oh, that program. Cool. I'm going to go do that for the next six months. Maybe occasional check, occasionally check in and I'll check back in with you and get a new program. Yeah. But, um, yeah, that's so rare that a person can do that. Uh, that coach like is a necessity for that to happen. Um, and I wish I had it sooner, but now I'm able to be that coach to make that process hopefully as easy as possible to get into fitness. For sure. I think accountability is so important. Yeah. And also like, I think a coach reduces your time in exploring bad ideas. Yep. Right. Like if you want to get in, if you want to get into great shape, there are coaches who like literally, I mean, this is all, this is all I do. You know, Sean works for IBM, yeah. <laughs> but I'm like, his brain is in fitness basically all day yeah. or most of the day. Right. Like this is, this is what we do, man. Like, like the same way a chef knows the best way to cook a steak. Like we know the best way to get in shape. Yeah. Like maybe not the best out of all the humans in the planet, the same way that there's chefs who are better than other chefs. Right. Like, but if you want to, if you want to learn to cook, you see a chef or you, you take a cooking class. If you want to get in shape, you do the same thing. You need a coach because a coach is going to take, you're not somebody, somebody told this to me and I, I thought this was so awesome, right? Like it was a way of sort of valuing yourself, like wh- whatever it is, right? Like every human has, you know, has a value to them. Um, obviously like financially in the market and, you know, just because we're humans, yeah. you have value, but it's like you're not you're not paying for access to my equipment in the gym, or you know you're not paying just to show up and, and touch a barbell. You're paying for the wealth of knowledge that our collective coaches have. You're paying for the 20 years of experience that Jen Jacobs has, that you know the lifetime of experience that you know Sean Chua has in his his growth of of CrossFit. You're paying for you're paying for all of the knowledge that I have. Like you're paying for an accelerated download of information. Yeah. Right. We've shifted, sifted through all of the crap yeah. and like we're left with the golden nuggets and we're just going to give you golden nuggets. Like that's what coaches do. Coaches give you golden nuggets so that you don't have to like sift through all the dirt to find them yourself. And so coaches accelerate, like coaches get you, get you results much faster than not coaches. Yeah. Like for me, it's, this is a, is what's worked for 90% of the people that I've worked with. Oh, that didn't work for you. Here's another yeah. uh, solution that worked for about like 10% of the people that I worked with. Oh, that didn't work for you either. Those are my favorite things. Cause yeah. then we get to learn, you know, we're almost like fitness counselors exactly. in that position where, okay, we have to figure out a new way to kind of get you into fitness. Right. Yeah, it happens all the time in our, you know, our staff meetings. We're like, hey, let's, you know, like, hey, I'm, I'm struggling finding success with this, this person in this scenario. And, you know, any ideas for ways that, you know, ways that we can do, you know, something different or something better. Or, you know, like, what do you think about this? Or, hey, what's worked for you in this scenario? And, you know, those are conversations that coaches are having because obviously, like, we want to constantly get better. Mm-hmm. And we want to, you know, the same way that we want to get better at, you know, at fitness or, climbing or whatever else. We also want to get better at coaching. 
And in order to get better at coaching, it requires those those case studies that we can't fix. Yeah. Like it requires failure. <laughs> <laughs> it all comes back to failure. Oh man, yeah. Um, and I think I think that's I think that's I think that's spot on, right? Yeah. Like I'm not saying you can't get better without a coach. I'm saying you're going to get it better a lot faster with a coach. Yes. And so you you realized that early on, and then just wanted to be a part of that that improvement, like. Be a force of good. Yeah, I, I want to be a part of someone's fitness journey. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, and I love man. Ah, <laughs> exactly right. Like I love the idea of fitness journey too because there's like there literally is no endpoint to this. Yeah, and it's it's cyclical and it's yeah sure you can you can always get better but also you know like part of part of the journey is like falling off the wagon. Yeah, getting back on the wagon. Yeah, I mean, we I've been a coach for three or four years now at this point, and it has been amazing because there have been some athletes that I've coached since the time that I've begun coaching, and seeing how they've grown and how I've grown since then is... It's incredible. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah, I, like, I keep in touch with basically all of my swim coaches growing up, yeah. and it blows my mind that, that you know, 20 years later... We still have this this connection, yeah. you know, 20 years later. And I, I think about all of the thousands of kids that this, you know, Coach Block, he was my high school swim coach. He's, um, I didn't realize how significant a player he was in like the world swimming scene oh. until long after high school. But like, he's he was the president of the American Swimming Association. He's the president of the World <laughs> Swimming Association. He's like the godfather of swimming, right? Oh, yeah. When people go through San Antonio, like when the best coaches of the world go through San Antonio, they take George to lunch, not the other way around. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Pay their respects. <laughs> That's right. Kiss the ring. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's incredible. But he's like, it's... I, I think about the impact that, that he made on my life and like the lessons he taught me about life through swimming mm-hmm. were so profound. And, you know, I think that's the power a coach has is you, we use a language and that language, like we use CrossFit, um, coach block use swimming, you know, there's a language and that language is the mechanism for teaching people how to be better, how to, get more out of something, right? Like, and that, that language is accountability. That language is, is pride. That language is failure. That language is sadness. That language is overcoming. You know, like I, I remember, uh, I was, uh, how old was I? I was like 11, 10, 11, something like that. Or I was, no, I was 11. And when you go from 10 and under to 11, 12, the time standards get super fast for boys. I mean, it's like, it's like night and day. It's like yeah. you, you go from the top to the bottom the yep. day your birthday. <laughs> it sucked. <laughs> and we went on a uh, we went on a, a trip, you know, two week trip up to southwestern Virginia from Texas, where my my family, my mom's family is. And that two week trip, like I didn't swim, I didn't train. My coach told me to train. Nope, I didn't do it. <laughs> and I got back. And a few months later, uh, I didn't swim well. I missed all of these time standards by tenths of seconds. Yeah. And I was, you know, you go and you talk to your coach after every race. And he was like, he was like, now we know the importance of a two week trip. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, I get the time. 
coach, I'm 11. Right. <laughs> like at the time, I was like, I was devastated. I was, I was mad. I was yeah. angry at Coach Block. Like, like seeing my family, and I was making all these yeah. excuses because I didn't want to be told that it was my fault. Yeah. But then the more I thought about it, like there was a pool. Yeah. I could have walked to the pool from my grandmother's house. I went there zero times. Yeah. Zero times. That's on me. Yeah. That's not on the fact that I'm on a family vacation. That's not the fact that like I didn't train. Yeah. And if that, you want to compete at that level, right? Got to train. And so it takes. I mean, it takes. It takes a pretty strong person to tell an 11 year old that a two week <laughs> vacation is why they're sucking at something. And. I don't know. Like, I think that's, I, I think that function of a coach is, is so important. And it's not just, you know, it's not just the balance of that, but it's the, it's, you come back and you talk to your coach and he's like smiling and he's like, that's it. You know, I told the story in the first podcast where coach block, like I told him what my goals were to, to medal to podium at the state swim meet at the end of the season. He was like, no, you're going to do so much better than that. And he reshaped my whole perception of myself in such an immensely positive way, and he put my eyes on gold. And if my if my eyes were just on podium, then I would have never gotten to the podium. Yeah. But because he focused my eyes on the gold, then that made me realize that I was so much better than I otherwise could have been. Yeah. And so like it's the beautiful thing. Like that's what I love about coaching. Yeah. You know, because it's it's we're talking about, you know, I don't know. We're we're there in, in so many people's you know, we're there every single day in people's lives and we have so many different ways to, to help people and touch people and show people what they're capable of. And it's, I, I don't know. It's like, I love it. Yeah. It's, it's certainly like, it's, yeah, I, I'm speechless. Yeah. One <laughs> last anecdote. I mean, like you said, you aimed low and your coach was like, no, aim higher. I mean, we have that all the time in the gym. Uh, yeah. We had one recently where an athlete kind of was getting frustrated with double unders and, uh, she was trying to get better with them, even though she was like just joined the gym a few months ago. Yeah. And she's like, oh, my goal is going to be 20 double unders. And I had already seen her do like five at that point. And right. if you could do five double unders, it's yeah. not going to take a lot. I was like, no, your goal is like 40 double unders. Right. <laughs> a thousand. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, I think the next weekend she came in and just like knocked out 30 something double unders. Right. I was like, oh, well, now right. it's 80. <laughs> right. Now your goal is no longer double unders. Your goal is handstand pushups. Yeah. yeah. Right. Like now you've got this. Game, yeah. Right. So now let's move on. I think that's, I think that's really cool because, you know, a coach, a coach is going to see, a coach is going to see your potential, yeah. right? More clearly than you see your potential because you see, you see all of the results. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, yeah, certainly. Like, but as, as an athlete, I see my ability through the fear, like through the lens of yeah. my own fears and, and rationalizations in my head and doubts. Yeah. Right. Like in jujitsu, I don't see, I don't see what I'm, I don't see my potential because I don't even know what potential looks like. Yeah. I don't even know what good looks like. I see other people who are good, but I don't know what good looks like with, with my body, my athleticism, my, you know, skill set. I don't know if I have potential to be really good or just potential to be okay. Like I have, I have no context of the upper end of what the sport is, could be at all, whatever. Yeah. But my coaches do, mm-hmm. right? Yes, they do. My coaches see that and my coaches go, yeah, this is, you know, whatever. Or like, or no, you're not doing this right. You're not putting the, the work in here. You're putting too much work in here. Like the coaches see that because the coaches have the perspective. Yeah. And the, I think 
with, you know, especially now that, you know, the gym's been around for five years, we've seen those athletes grow from, you know, from nothing into, <laughs> from nothing. <laughs> we've <laughs> molded, nothing before. <laughs> but we've, you know, we've grown with, with yeah. a lot of our athletes in the gym and we've seen like, like I know what good swimming looks like. I know what good CrossFit looks like. And I also know what, like, what you are capable of when I see you, like, not like, like I'm not. Anyway, I, I mean, you know. Yeah, we never come in and, or we do our best to set people's expectations. Um, and if someone comes in saying, "Hey, I want to go to the CrossFit Games. I've never done CrossFit before." Yep. I think that's where you were trying to. Yeah, you're probably not going to make that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I mean, let's set out a plan for you to make it to the CrossFit Games. How does your next year to two look? Right. And you better have nothing else going on besides CrossFit and nutrition and sleep in your yeah. life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let's, you know, sort of like what we were talking about before. Let's move the ship in the right direction. Yeah. Oh, you want to make it to the CrossFit Games? Okay, cool. Well, let's start by training six times a week. Yeah. So let's see if we can do that first. Yeah. And then 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 we'll then we'll go from there. Yeah. Um, but I think even just like like in the gym where, you know, like when we're getting ready to start the workout and you know everybody has the weight on the bar and you look at someone's bar and it like looks a little light yeah and you're just like hey what about what about five pounds more what about ten pounds more the and jason like, method oh. slide <laughs> just slide in. it on when they're yeah. not looking <laughs> well we can't say that then everybody's got to know yeah yeah the, the not jason method we'll edit that out yeah <laughs> pause for edit that's right <laughs> um I think that's the, I think that's, I I agree. I think that's the, the, the beautiful thing about coaching. That's what I get out of coaching. That's what I really enjoy is, is showing, like giving someone permission to be more confident in themselves than, than they are, right? Like showing that it's a lot, it's okay to want to be the best in the state, right? It's okay to want to aim for gold. You don't have to just, you don't have to be a podium finisher. You can be at the top of the podium, Right, like, hey, person who's about to do CrossFit, it's okay to want to do these RX, but today's not the day. Yeah, <laughs> it's okay. It's okay to do this, but we're also going to show you what it takes to get there. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, I think that's I think that's a cool I think that's a cool story. I think it's a really it's a if you if you want to get better at something, you need a coach. I think ultimately is is the point we're getting after yeah. here. If you want to get to that eighty percent as fast as possible. You're like get a coach. You can you can get there. You can certainly get there. You're just gonna make a lot more mistakes on the way. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. So you enjoy being a coach. I do. <laughs> yes. Keep me on. <laughs> Don't fire me. I coach Saturdays and Sundays. <laughs> it's uh, it's on the internet now. That's right. <laughs> what um, what what's what's like. The next challenge. Have you have you thought that far ahead? Is there something that you want to do? Next challenge, I think, you know, it might be back to CrossFit and uh, really trying to improve myself there, getting getting a bit more intensity, yeah. maybe doing a, a competition uh, in this upcoming year. Yeah. yeah. You're going to see how badly I crush you in the open and you're going to be so demoralized. Yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> it's you know, funny because we're recording this and it, it won't, I won't publish it until like probably a month after the open's finished. Yeah. People are going to be like, what are they talking about? Yeah. Well, I'm hoping for a good 18.1 workout that is uh, competitive between the two of us. 
Yeah, I'm hope like I pull I've, ups, muscle ups, and uh, <laughs> yeah, that'll be super competitive. squats, <laughs> squats only. Oh, I just hope it. I hope it's something I don't have to scale. Like, that's, that's all I'm hoping for. Like, please just let let the first one be something I could do. Yeah, <laughs> or not. You know, whatever. I'm Either okay. Way. I'm okay with learn from uh, failures. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so you want to kind of like get back into CrossFit and like. Turn the volume up on that a little bit. Yeah, turn the volume up on CrossFit a little bit more. Um, I, yeah, I'm enjoying rock climbing, doing that once or twice a week. But yeah, I, I think it's time to uh, turn up the volume on CrossFit. Yeah, that's cool. That's that's always what I've thought CrossFit should be is something that's always constantly there and, and adjustable and adjustable. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I like, you know, my future kids are going to be doing CrossFit all the time, and I, I sort of see, you know, when they're when their soccer seasons pick up, then the volume of CrossFit gets turned down. Yeah. It's still there because, you know, you need – like the, the biggest misconception about CrossFit is it's this, you know, it's this intense training program that's going to, you know, wah. Yeah. And while it is that, to be sure, yeah. it's also not that. Like it's a, it's a movement practice. It's a dedicated practice that teaches you how to get more out of your body more consistently, right? Like it lays a foundation – CrossFit is what makes your body ready to be used and using your body is what life is. You know, like I'm picking up jujitsu faster because I did CrossFit for seven years. You're better at rock climbing because you did CrossFit for, you know, however many years. If, if you're approaching a new sport with no concept of, you know, nutrition, mobility, intensity, strength, power a structured then, plan of any sort right <laughs> you're not going to get yeah out of it what you can but i think it's cool to always be able to come back to that and then be able to turn the volume back up on crossfit yeah so you're sort of shifting from a focus of application back to a focus of you know improvement yeah right like i'm no longer applying my fitness towards something i am improving the, what i am at that thing i guess yeah so yeah in the coming years Watch out. Watch out. Sean Chua, CrossFit Games. Yeah. 2018. 2019. 2019. I'm still like, I'm still hanging on to your heels, like able to keep up with some some of the numbers that you do. Um, I was talking to Matt Martz yesterday and I realized that he's officially, he's officially better than me at at everything. Yeah. Except for Snatch. I still have him in one thing, but (laughs) I can't, I can't hang on to that for very long. But he was telling me his like power clean is like two fifty five. It's like all he's a strong dude. I now. know, I know. That is one fitness journey that we have been a part of. So now as his coach, I need to uh, derail him for my own ego, so I can. Uh... <laughs> We've created our end. That's right. But that's what I mean. That's what's cool about yeah. it. I mean, CrossFit works, and this is like this is what people say in jujitsu when when. Um, you know, like a, a junior belt taps out a more senior belt. They go, jujitsu works, man. Like yeah. this works. If I do this combination of things to you, you will like submit. Yeah. <laughs> like CrossFit works in the same light, right? If, if you do this combination of exercises at the right intensity, if you follow the program day in and day out with the right consistency and the right focus on, you know, stress and nutrition and all the things like you're going to get in phenomenal shape. You can't avoid it. Yeah. You yep. can try really hard not to get in good shape, <laughs> but if you show up, you're gonna be you're gonna be there. Yep. There's Coaches no doubt about it. Gonna push you if they see you're being too lazy a few too many days in a row. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and if you're not present, you're gonna get an email from Katie. <laughs> <laughs> show up. That's cool. Never gotten that email. Cause you're always there, Sean Chua. Yep. Always there. 
So what else you got? Nothing. That's it? <laughs> well, cool, man. Uh, this was this was a lot of fun, and hopefully, like I, I try to think of you know like what I take out of conversations while they're while they're happening, and I really like your your approach of getting to eighty percent, and then like get to eighty percent in as many things as you can, and then maybe there's something that you want to get then to one hundred percent in. Yeah, then just from there evaluate, and then yeah, sometimes you want to push for that hundred like I did in powerlifting, <laughs> and uh, it's definitely a worthwhile journey. I would do it again. Cool. All right, man. Well, thanks a lot. Appreciate your time. Thank you.